Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 20, Episode 1, Twisted Steel, Leather Toilet, the book Lando Calrissian and the Flamewind of Ozeon by L. Neil Smith, the year 1983, with your hosts Jeff and John, let's go! everybody welcome back to the exciting season probably 20 of expounded universe i don't know i've not done a very good job of keeping track of that i think we did season 11 like four times it's possible it's who knows it's like it's very probable all these numbers are just made up i'm jeff and that's john and uh in accordance and this is where we talk about hmm? numbers and how made up they are they're all just made up every number is made up they're an affront to god that's right. God hates numbers. <laughs> the first thing he did was create the world in seven days, and then on the eighth day, he eliminated the concept of seven. He's like, Ugh, that sucks. And then we put it back. The arrogance. Ah, truly, we ate from the tree of knowledge and, uh, and we ate seven times. Good and that was evil the and numbers. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyway, I'm Jeff, that's John, and, uh, yeah, like, uh, I have no idea what season this is, but I can tell you that in accordance with the principles of us following the poll that we put on Twitter, we are gonna do the second book in the Lando Calrissian Adventures. Yep, we always follow the poll. Mm-hmm. I've been chasing the poll my whole life. That's right. Like a, like a greyhound, or, uh, a, a gay joke. Or, uh, something about strippers. Oh, yeah, one of those, too. Although, I've never actually uh, tried a stripper pole. I, I, maybe I ought to. They're, uh, well, you know. You know, there I comes a time. say they're real slippery, but I guess that sort of depends on the pole. I thought they were just really rotation-y. Aren't they usually mounted Very on rotating gimbal things? rotation-y. Well, what do you, what, what's the word you use for that? They're, they're, uh, they're, I guess you just don't say, describe that as an adverb. You just say, like, they, uh, they, they rotate. They spin? Yeah, they spin on an axis. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite memories from my, my uh, immediate post-high school years was watching my friends do an amateur stripper night, and one of them did not know that. And as she l- lunged onto the pole, it spun under her and flung her off the, on the other side. It's amazing. Oh, we learned so much that night. Uh, a good time was had by at least Me. one. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so the book opens, we're going to do three chapters today. The book opens with a uh, sort of reintroduction to Vuffy Raw. Ooh, yeah, we uh, get that. Just, you know, start out the entire second book with just like, yo, what up? This is the Vuffy Raw show now. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, we're, we're, he's going to go find Lando, that's the way this works, but basically it's a whole... Vuffy Raw was a very confusing concept, so we need to go very deep into detail to explain... Uh, what he is again, so you're not confused. Yeah, just in case you had been like, oh, uh, this was before all of this was collected into, you know, one book. You're like, ah, Flame Wind of Ozeon, that sounds cool. And they didn't want to just drop fucking Vuffy Raw on you unexplained. You'd be like, the hell is this thing? Yeah, I mean, there are some revelations we learn in this, in this chapter that I am just astonished by because i didn't take them into consideration during the previous book oh you know most notably that lando apparently spent the entire book that we just read without a mustache bereft of stash no reading that he was like only just now growing a mustache i was like fuck this is him as a youngin that really changes my perspective on Mindharp. Now, now I'm picturing a an extremely young, uh, baby faced version of of Lando wandering around those desert ruins. Yeah, he's just all smooth. It's like yeah, a fucking I just, I, Ken doll, <laughs> but up top, up where yeah, it doesn't count. <laughs> Otherwise, he's completely covered in hair. Everyone knows that he's the Gaston of Star Wars. <laughs> Every last inch of him, except for his upper lip, is covered in hair. Yeah, you know the true. other just just last week because I had COVID and I was just watching entirely too much YouTube. I watched so much stuff about queer coding in Disney, and I guess it's universally the consensus that that is the gayest Disney song ever. Uh, I mean, 
you know, I'm hard pressed to think of another one. I mean, the other one that people routinely saw, uh, cite is uh, the the Frozen song "Let It Go" because it's, it could be interpreted to being about letting go of like societal dictates and so on. And then uh, uh, also "Poor Unfortunate Souls" just because Ursula is a queer icon in and of herself, so anything she sings automatically becomes a queer icon song. Uh, but in terms of song content, no, it's definitely the Gaston song. Yeah, it's true. So. So I just, I, I thought that was pretty rad, and then I went and listened to the Gaston song a bunch of times, because song rules. Yeah, and while I had COVID, I was instead just watching a bunch of horror stuff, because that's I my bet. jam. <laughs> yeah, I saw your recent plan to purchase yourself a far too expensive Freddy glove. You already have one. I have seen your current Freddy glove. Yeah, I have a Freddy glove, and it's like a $15 plastic thing from Spirit Halloween. Mm-hmm. I think you just want two gloves so you can do Wolverine stuff. I, I think I think that's what's happening. <laughs> so I can do Wolverine stuff. That's correct. Yeah, I think you want to go do Wolverine stuff. You know, a little bit, like just for fun, unless. <laughs> uh... Is that is that accurate? Is that the is that the real plan, or do you just want multiple friends? I mean, I guess they would both be on the same hand, wouldn't they? Because he only has one glove. Well, yeah, he's very Michael Jackson. I guess that, in that does regard. Yeah, that kind of puts a pin in my plan, doesn't it? That he only has one glove, and it's, uh, what is his left and hand, it's I think? four blades, not three blades, and it's fingers, not knuckles. Well, the finger blade things mean, just means you were probably planning to chop one or two of them. No, you wouldn't have to chop them off. It means you're going to be doing Lady Deathstrike stuff. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Except all want- no thumb, it's just the four fingers. Well, yeah, obviously you were going to get a fifth blade somewhere. You're probably going to buy a third glove just for parts. Well, the glove I was going to buy was specifically the one from Nightmare 3 Dream Warriors, the best of the franchise. If I wanted a fifth blade, I could instead get one that was, say, from New Nightmare, where it was blades that instead of a glove were actually coming out of his fingers and it was all five. Then I could do some Lady Deathstrike stuff. Okay, that's fair. I mean, you can always just do Lady Deathstrike stuff whenever you want. No one's judging. You know, free yourself from the, the the shackles of society and go do Lady Deathstrike It's Death a Lady Deathstrike summer. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, Buffy Ra is wandering, or not wandering, he has a purpose and a mission, but he is walking quickly down uh, uh, an extremely expensive, extremely fanciful boulevard on an asteroid in the Ozeon system. Yeah, we are on Ozeon 6845, which is the most expensive like luxury asteroid in a system that is just asteroids and also mostly mm-hmm. just for rich people yeah it's an interesting location in much like in the last book when we were talking about um the planets didn't have individual names they were just called rafa 1 through 14 here yeah. Everything is just going to be called Ozeon and then a big old number, because instead of being 14 planets, it's like 22,000 inhabited asteroids. Yeah, it's just for whatever reason, and, you know, the book goes into a lot of people have different theories on why, but for whatever reason, planets never formed here. The Ozeon star just has giant bands of asteroids that just polyphonic sprees of asteroids. Just absolute nonsense, tons mm-hmm. of asteroids, and uh, people have taken it upon themselves to be like, oh, you know, the smaller asteroids are like rich people houses, and then uh, like the one that we are on right now, which is huge, is instead like rich people vacation spot, where it's all like yeah. Yeah, so you- nice shopping centers and gambling halls and shit like that. It's easy to look at it like islands. Like, this one is St. Kitts, and the other one is like, or uh, one for a rich person is like whenever a rich person buys their own private island and and uses it only for vacations and sex trafficking. Man, I 100% thought you were talking about the restaurant. <laughs> it's just like islands. Everyone was, was like, just like islands. What the fuck is this asteroid like islands? Well, I mean, none of them have that Coke float available anymore. Ugh, you bastards. Give me back my frozen lime Coke. That thing was so good, and they got rid of it. It's it's a travesty. 
That's why your fucking location shut down near us. That's true. We lost all of our islands nearby, and even though they discontinued that drink like 10 years ago, I think this is what finally those chickens coming home to roost. Indeed. So anyway, uh, yeah, he's on one of the publicly owned uh, asteroids in the Ozeon, uh, wandering down a major esplanade, and largely he is very concerned as he's holding, this is Buffy Ra again, holding a twisted hunk of metal in one of his hands, and he's there's a whole kind of running monologue going that's more or less just explaining what he is again, but also giving him a sort of like white rabbit at the start of Alice in Wonderland thing going, where he's like, I must hurry, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. Uh, yeah. while, he, while he disregards all the fanciful bullshit to either side of him, exactly like the white rabbit would. Because as it turns out, Ozeon 6845 is so wealthy that uh, it's just like a geneticist playground, and so every animal you encounter is some hilarious, whimsical bullshit. Yeah, I mean, it was basically like, oh, because this is essentially only for rich people, they're like, oh, we either created or went out into the universe and found just the most fanciful, dumb garbage we could find. And we're like, yeah, sure, here's a pond and it's got like a monkey lizard that stabs a fish and eats it whole and spits out its bones and Here's yeah. a plant and one of its that's arms alive, is a fishing pole. and then a bird that's a plant. <laughs> yeah, just just everything's just whims- like the kind of th- shit you get bored, you get mad at immediately. Ah. like you get there, I like mean, ah, I do like. It- is this a bird? I like that Buffy Raw at least is like I don't have time for any of this shit because the book even says like, "Yo, I'm gonna describe what's going on." Buffy Raw is not looking at this. <laughs> yeah, well, he doesn't. To him, a, a bird that's a cactus or whatever is not... It's still just another gross, quick-to-die organic. He doesn't give a shit. No, he's got a mission that he's on. He's like, I'm not taking in the fucking sights. I'm just running down the boulevard here. Yeah. So, you know, the fact we that We also get some establishment of, that, oh, yes, indeed, this is taking of, uh, place about a month or two after the, effect, the events of uh, Mindharp, and Lando, for at least a little while there, was spectacularly wealthy. Uh, he got he he sold the life crystal orchard harvest that he had the last one in the galaxy for just millions and millions of credits, and then just promptly started to bleed credits all over the sidewalk because the world is dedicated or is designed to take advantage of rich people. See, the it's thing just is, not fair. I was I was looking at that and was like, oh, this isn't that he got rich off of that. This is that wonderful libertarian thing where it's like yep oh he <laughs> would have been rich except there's all of these taxes in place Parasites. he has to pay so much money when he shouldn't have to he should just move to a cabin in montana and prep for the apocalypse by himself and marry his cousin like a good libertarian that's or, a, i don't know maybe that's marry a weird an libertarian take you've got there <laughs> I don't know. What do they do? Come after me? They're libertarians. Oh, wait. Yes, that does mean they will. Yes, that is what they do (laughs) is come after you. (laughs) You specifically. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a it's been a long life process of mine that the libertarians are always hunting me, hiding in the bushes and throwing spears at my house. (laughs) But no, it is definitely a libertarian screed disguised as a Star Wars novel as he's sitting there being like, they put sir taxes on their sir sir taxes. It's unbearable. How's a rich man supposed to survive in this economy? But the whole thing is, it's like, oh, he never actually got as rich as he was supposed to. He instead got, you know, a decent amount of money. But when he should have been set up for life and been an absolute fucking billionaire, instead, all of these places took advantage of a poor, you know, (laughs) small businessman. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what happened to rich people in the early 80s. They got less rich. <laughs> that's the story, right? That's what we all talk about, how the 80s, that ge- the uh, we, we all call it the gen- the uh, decade of giving stuff away. No more stuff for them. <laughs> Way more taxes. Read my lips. It's the 80s. The rich get poorer. <laughs> Cry more, Lando. And by extension, oh. L. Smith. <laughs> it's amazing to me that... <laughs> This is so heavily just like the, oh, man, I have the most expensive things ever, but I'll never be able to get rich. And I'm like, how? What? Why? Well, it's partially, partially because he's straight up. This is Lando prior to every other one of the Expanded Universe books, so he is still allergic to work. 
Oh, yeah. He's allergic to he's work like, and I- bad at business. Yes. Like, you think, I mean, literally, the next couple chapters are going to him him being just an absolute idiot who doesn't do any research at all when it comes to trying to be a legitimate traitor. Yeah. For some reason. So, anyway. Uh, uh, we'll get into Buffy's it. just hurl- hurtling along this, this esplanade, uh, not taking in the sights and making his way to where Lando is, because Lando... Who the book, of course, wants to kind of hide the fact that it, that Lando's the, they just keep calling him his master and the gentle being in the velvoid semi-formal ship ship cloths. Oh. But he's down gambling somewhere, which is like the least dramatic a- a introduction of Lando, Lando you could ever write. Oh yeah, I mean the the interesting thing mostly about this is one, if you never read uh, the first book, if you never read Mind Harp, of course, you're coming into this and they're like, "Hey man, mm-hmm. here's a weird." starfish tentacle robot that is fractal and has a big lump and is just running through a fucking asteroid full of rich people you're like this is a very strange beginning for a book yeah no i mean fluffy raw is great basically he looks like shumagorath did in marvel versus capcom 2 but silver he's just a cool character just a cool dude running through i do like that they establish that even though this is one of the bigger asteroids in the Ozeon system that real estate is still at a premium. It's still a fucking asteroid, so it's not huge. So the hotel that Lando is staying on is just, there is a topside entrance and then everything else is in the asteroid itself. Yes. Everything's honeycombed down into the asteroid, which I would have figured would make more sense, not so much because of real estate premiums, but because of avoiding toxic radiation exposure. Nah. Asteroids don't usually have, like, the best lithospheres. Well, yeah, but that's why the whole thing's domed. Yeah, that is true. That That is true. Although, as we have learned from other Star Wars novels, notably uh, Crystal Star, that shit doesn't help at all. Well, I mean, it doesn't help if you are right next to a, like, dying radiation shitting star. No. That is true. Yeah. So uh, anyway, he makes his way to the hotel, uh, goes down a huge elevator that takes him deep down into the core of the asteroid itself, uh, and eventually runs into a person. I I guess we just wanted to describe a cartoon bouncer because he's just some sort of alien that's twice as big as two of any other people on the planet. Yeah. We just get like, you know, standard. This is the muscle man and Mm -hmm. he's very scary. But when I say Hey, I got a message for a guy in there. He's like, okay, <laughs> I'm just mm. doing my job, my man. <laughs> yeah, there's this great thing where he's like briefly relieved that this dude doesn't like kill him on sight or whatever. But it's like, come on. I know that guy's a giant muscle dude, but he works for a hotel. Oh, yeah. I mean, plus this is a chapter where we get like the, oh, normally in the galaxy, there's a ton of prejudice against, you know, droids and people fucking hate them. But here, that does not exist because most of the prejudice elsewhere is because they're like, those droids are taking our jobs, and this place is just rich people who have never had to worry about something taking their job because they are just rich. Yeah. (laughs) I gotta wonder, I've never seen any other Star Wars book do the, uh, I mean, we get the droids aren't welcome here in Cantina's thing repeated a lot just because it was in New Hope. But generally, people assume that's because droids don't drink, and they can encourage drunk people to stop drinking. Yeah. But but uh, this is the first book we've really come across where it's like, no, everyone hates droids because droids take your job. Yeah. Again, like, this is the oh, whole thing the, of I, like, oh, yeah. droids are going to come in and they're going to do your work, but for a fraction of the cost. Yeah. Which, like, Vuffy Ra is aware that other droids might do that, but he's never done that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, he finds Lando. Lando is basically giving us a uh, a full explanation of how Sabacc works again. Although I think that might be something that happens in one of the other chapters here. So instead, oh yeah, because he's this, in there playing. This first chapter is all Buffy Raw. It's it's super duper short. Yeah, it ends on Lando, but it's super duper short. Uh, yeah. So, so he gets past the big bouncer, makes his way to Lando, who is sitting there playing Sabacc. But thankfully, we are spared the description of how Sabacc plays until the start of the next chapter. And uh, basically just confirms the suspicion that they both already had by holding up a twisted hunk of metal. Yeah. And, and like, uh, uh, Lando, our and worst, the, our, our suspicions. Go ahead. Yeah, we get the whole like, hey, uh, I'm, I'm afraid you're right. There, we're, Someone's trying to murder us. There's a bomb. Yep. So it turns and, out someone's been trying to kill him. 
yeah, that's our, our big, you know, cliffhanger ending is that, oh, someone's trying to murder Lando. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. And Lando, of course, has to be winning again. So we know that he has a giant pile of credits in front of him. It's a super luxurious place, and he's got sexy ladies on either side of him, and he's growing a delightful mustache. So delightful. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's the second we get the second we get into the next chapter, he's just like, "Well, I've already won twenty three thousand credits since being here, yeah. and baby, I'm hot." Yeah, basically, but this is this is the chapter where we start getting that libertarian stuff. Uh, with the part where he's like, and without filling out so much as a single form in triplicate, if that was logically possible, his mind was drifting back again to the money uh, that he earned without acquiring a permit, easement, license, variance, or a certificate of mother, may I? See, this dude just uh, wants to be a, civ- a citizen of the land, traveling freely. Fucking government oversight. You're the worst. <laughs> I don't recognize your joinder. That's the Maritime Rebellion. Huh. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, he he's just been, he's sitting there winning at Sabak, and we get yet another primer on how Sabak works. It sets up at least one new interesting thing. I really want to find the full set of rules for this. Uh, we we establish once again, if you're if you're new to the show here, that Sabak is basically blackjack, but the cards change randomly, and you use a sci-fi tarot deck instead of a regular tarot deck. Yes. And the goal isn't to hit 21 without going over. It's to hit positive or negative 23 without going over. Yeah. Or under. And because it's a tarot deck, the four suits are positive and all of the like major arcana are the negative cards. Mm hmm. So there's that. And then it's just if Everything- you put cards on the table then the table stops them from changing yes which is supposed to be according to this chapter it's supposed to be so that you can throw down your winning hand and not have it change to a not winning hand while you're raking in your winnings which feels kind of dumb to me i feel like if you call bingo then the uh the person isn't going to be like also i discount b23 now uh, like once well, you I mean, sh- show your hand and say hey sabak then you should win i mean we also know that uh, there is like a you can lock your cards yeah. in part of the game. Yeah, it's just interesting that in this chapter he doesn't mention locking your cards in. He just mentions that uh, you can throw them down into the uh, suspension field to stop them changing, so you can display your hand. Uh, but well, yeah. in previous ep- episodes, we've discussed that 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 uh, field is l- primarily used to lock down valuable cards, which notably he immediately has the moment we uh, we encounter him. One of his cards turns into a three. Because one of the big secrets to Sabak is that you can try to get to positive or negative 23 without going over or under, or you can win by having a zero, a two, and a three. The zero is called the fool. It's just worth zero. And any two or three creates the idiot's array, which is an instant win. Yeah, I mean, you've got three different instant wins for Sabak. Yes. The, and the, it's interesting because he tries to describe it as an interesting, fast-paced game as a result of the fact that the cards change randomly. But it doesn't sound like it is. There's no betting cycle, as we can tell. There doesn't appear to be a big blind, small blind. Uh, there's there, there are no points where you have to redistribute bets. All you do is just sit there and watch your cards until someone says, oh, my cards make one of the three things that matter. No, I mean, in the first book, we had a betting cycle. They went around betting. That is true, but we don't establish how it stops. There's never a point where we go where, where uh, anyone calls. Every Sabak game in the history of Star Wars is won by the idiot's array, or regular Sabak. I've never I, I've seen him call Sabak sometimes, but you never see anyone because it's blackjack. You're supposed to go as p- close to uh, positive or negative twenty three without going over or under. But I have never ever, and I've read so many Star Wars books, encountered one where the dealer was like, "Okay, everyone, show your cards," and someone won on like a nineteen. Ah. It's just never I... happened. I mean, I know that for some reason everyone's like, well, you know, it's standard showing gambling in any fiction rules where it's boring to be like, ah, I won with, you know, two pair. No one gives a (laughs) shit. You have to win with a fucking royal flush. Yeah, royal flush is... (laughs) You know, I get that those are the rules they are operating under. But also, 
it comes across as very boring because it feels like you can just sit there. You like e- even taking cards feels like a, a, a sucker's bet. You take three cards. If you don't take three cards, you can't win with an idiot's array. Ah. Which means that the only way to play this game is to take one card past the initial two they deal you and wait for any one of those three win results. If you take more than three, you're an idiot. It's array. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I assume we're going to get a lot more Sabak, and it sucks every time. I mean, yes. Again, it's just because no one wants to get into the minutia of Sabak, but the fact that they just give you this very high overview look at it means the game just looks stupid as fuck. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it feels more... It, it Honestly, it feels like it has more in common to me with Bingo than it does with Sabak, because you get your number of cards, and then you just fucking sit there, and if any of your cards turn into a two or a three or a zero, you throw that shit in the field. Ah. And you just wait for the other ones to do it, too. I mean, I do wish we would get any point where someone, like, calls... In one of these? Yeah, that's all you really need. A mechanic by which a round of play ends. If that ever came up, I would be mollified. It would be great, but it has <laughs> never happened and never will. Yeah, I don't think it ever will. <laughs> well, maybe that's going to be our mark of Star Wars fame when, when uh, Del Rey or Disney or whoever publishes these things these days finally gets in touch with us to write our own Star Wars book. And all we do and is we'll... just write the rules to Sabacc. No, we'll just write poker night or a sabak night at the at the Canto Bite Cantina. It'll just be everything set on that big casino planet from from uh, Last Jedi, and it'll be realistic sabak descriptions. And the story will focus on like a couple of new pit bosses and their adventures. Ah, their adventures. Obviously, they'll have adventures. You know, one of them lost their job when that that fucking stampede of Famba came through and busted up their table. They got blamed for that shit. They got that came out of their paycheck, as is the way of things in casinos, I assume. Yeah, that's a Canto Bite tradition. So, you know, you want to hear goes wrong. You're on the hook for it. Please work for us. (laughs) Plus, his uniform got gored. Aw. Yeah. You know, uh, you can also put Tamiri Blag in there Uh, that he's he's uh, he's on Canto Bite. So you could you could work him in and make him part of the fun story. If you don't know who that is, that's Broom Kid. Great. Yeah. Fucking so. broom kid. He's got a real name, Brick Tamiri Blag. He's named after the actor that played him, whose name is Tamirian Blave. <laughs> so Which we all know means to bluff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so <laughs> true love. <laughs> so uh, I'm not a witch, I'm your wife. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh this is the second bomb, and he, Lando is like, oh, Oh, I, I, I hate that this is happening. L- why? I remember when this started out. Doo-loo, doo-loo, time for flashbacks. One nice thing is we do now establish that he's got a bed. I mean, do we? Yeah, there's a scene where he dangles his foot over the edge of the edge of the bed while he's uh, while while Buffy Raw is doing some like work around the ship or something. He he uh he dangles one of his feet off the edge of his bed, and I was like, "Hey, that's that's a step a step up." Last book, he was sleeping under the fucking uh, game table in the in the hallway, on his own ship. Uh, I don't remember that. So it might be in the third chapter. These chapters are kind of blurred together in my mind. Yeah, or it might be that uh, it's his bed at the hotel. Oh, that could also be. Although I, I'm pretty sure it happened on the ship. I don't think we ever go to his hotel room. That's how chapter two starts is in the hotel room. Mm, Okay. Because this whole thing is we get a small bit at the beginning of him going like, oh, I had all of these crystals. And if I got any richer, I'd be broke. Whoa. Oh, you're absolutely right. It happens while uh, while Buffy Raw is acting as his valet and laying out his clothing for the next day. And he's looking at him because I won't interrupt him, but I don't need a valet. Uh, yeah, as soon as we finish all that, then we get our time to flashback to how this all started, and it's right. him fighting pirates in the middle of a fucking, like, nebula somewhere. Yeah, so he was trying to be a legitimate trader, and he was trying to take a shortcut in a system, I forget the name of the system, but it's got, like, 46 planets of which one is inhabitable. Yes. And, it's- uh... He's trying. You know, half of them are too hot and half of them are too cold, but there's one planet that's just right. 
Yeah, it's uh, the Dylan Nexa system, and he needs to go to Dylan Nexa 13. The other ones are or 23. The rest of them are too dangerous. So but, dangerous. Uh, while flying to the Dylan Nexa system, he chooses to come out of hyperspeed to take a shortcut through a nebula. They keep calling it a, like a nebulosity or a nebularity or something, but it's just a nebula. Uh, I Personally, I get the idea that, uh, you know, he's like, well, I could cut through this nebula and take a shortcut, but I'm like, dude... Uh, hyperdrive hyperspeed is so much faster than sublight that no this isn't a shortcut you'd be faster to go way out of your way in hyperspeed turn around and come in from the other direction oh, i mean it apparently isn't we get confirmation even from buffy raw that like oh no this is definitely way faster and would shave like days off of travel time and you're like all right i guess I do appreciate that at least, unlike every Star Trek episode there's ever been, they do acknowledge what it's like to be in a nebula, which is not, you know, a roiling heavy London fog in space. It's like a couple extra molecules per per kilometer. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it looks, the whole thing is just, oh, it fucks up faster than light travel. Yeah, because if you run into one of those molecules, it'll just poke a hole right through your ship and every wall and you'll die. But <laughs> yeah, it's not like, oh, yeah, great. So we have to go regular speed. But every time in a, in a sci-fi movie, if they go into a nebula, it's like they jack the Ripper, but space might be standing behind them. The fog's so thick. <laughs> it's the same thing with asteroid fields. Like the Oort cloud around er, er, around uh, our solar system is like, oh, there's like 8% more asteroids than normal. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, let me tell you. But yeah, he's in there, and we just open in media res on him already being attacked by a drone-controlling pirate ship. Yeah, he is... I guess trying to make this shortcut and we find out that the reason no one does it because there's an established trade route that doesn't use this. And that's because I guess there are pirates in here and they're super desperate. But their whole thing is, yeah, they've got a ton of little drones that they send out. So there's a spaceship way off away from them and then a ton of little murder drones. That's a clever idea. I mean, we've seen it before in uh, the Twilight planet of twilight where they were using those needle ships and it's nice to see it done here without a whole lot of dumb falder all about biosynth droids yeah no it's just ah, uh, there's someone sitting on that ship in front of a fucking control panel with a little controller going like get him just boredly going through the motions as he's like eh, someone's stupid enough to come into the nebulosity we'll just get him with our drones but what yeah. they didn't expect is that the falcon is up armored to a stupid degree yeah, this isn't your regular, you know, freighter that's just coming through to do trade. This is basically a pirate ship in and of itself. Yes, and so uh, Lando and Vuffy have finally worked out that Vuffy can help during combat, even though, if you remember from the previous episode, he is 100% pacifistic and cannot willingly bring harm to another being. Yeah, he's really got to uh, stretch the limits of his programming to be like, all right, I will help line up shots for you to murder people. I am technically not murdering people. Yeah, he's flying the ship, so he can't be accused of firing uh, or shooting down. Although I feel like he should be perfectly content to shoot down drones all day. Although, I don't know, maybe he wouldn't want to. No, I mean, the only time we really get him complaining is when eventually, after shooting down a whole bunch of these, Lando's like, all right, this is dumb as fuck. Take me at the pirate ship where the people are that are actually controlling these so I can shoot at them. Yeah, yeah. I I, I just, I, I was just wondering in my head, I was like, wait, would he be willing to shoot down the drones? Remember, he's he's also been pretty up, up to, uh, he's been pretty protesty of damaging machines at all in general, although that might have been a bluff. Well, the Falcon has a rudimentary intelligence behind it. Like, it's got its own sort of ship computer i think with drones because it is fully controlled by someone else it would be like no that's fine yeah i'm sure so that's like, perfectly fine it doesn't matter yeah, the I'm falcon just thinking. is like an animal and the drone is just sort of a puppet yeah i mean it, ultimately you're right it doesn't really have any specific bearing on things they're shooting down the drones just fine when lando gets tired of it and is like let's just go fuck up the pirate ship what are we doing shooting down these stupid basketballs yeah, I don't need to shoot down a million drones if I can go stop the ship that are controlling them. Yeah, so he does precisely that, orders uh, Vuffy to bring him closer to the pirate ship. That's when Vuffy's like, geez, you know, this is really kind of 
this is kind of straining my weird, uh, my my morality circuits if I have to fly you over to that pirate ship knowing you're going to try and kill everyone on it, but okay. I mean, at least he's mostly just trying to cripple it so it can't come after him. He's just going after their reaction drive. No, I thought it was kind of a fun thing. I'm not I'm not saying it was bad. I, I uh, So, they do precisely that. They fly over to the pirate ship, which seems surprised that anyone would dare just fly over to them. Well, again, uh, I think and, they and, are assuming that anyone that goes through this is just a I know. regular trade vessel and yeah. are not expecting there to be like, oh, this dude got lasers. <laughs> yeah, so they uh, they fly they fly right over, manage to get around behind them, even as the pirate ship starts like trying to kind of, you know, get the engines up and running or the, the guns up and running so they can defend themselves from here. Uh they're getting a couple of free shots because it seems like the pirate ship probably doesn't really have that heavy of a crew. And what crew they do have is very busy piloting the drones. But Lando just gets around behind them and starts just unloading the quad turbo laser from the Falcon into the uh, the engines of this ship. Yep. And they, for some reason, this makes all of the drones blow up. Yeah, it seems like what they might have just sort of hit a random circuit that can that was connected to the drone control mechanism or something. Cause all of a sudden a massive explosion goes off and all of the droids, uh, or the drones just sort of explode where they are. Uh, and, yeah, and, uh, Buffy Ross like, Buffy Ross like, wow, Lando, what a shot. Uh, and Lando's like, I didn't do that, but that's, it's even then that's enough for the pirate ship. It just turns around and darts into hyperspace to get away. It's like, all right, well, fuck this. Yeah. So, uh, I guess they're free to continue passing through the nebula onto Dylan Exa 23. And that's when we encounter another of the straw men of libertarianism. Well, I mean, first we have to get Lando being like, boy, it sure costs a lot of money to shoot those lasers. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we learned the thing I was wanting to say about uh, Buffy Raw the entire last season that I couldn't because I knew it was going to come up here, that he is completely... Uh, modular. He can come apart, and every part of him is another Buffy Raw. Yeah, we get the uh, revelation that, like, all of his tentacles have detached and are off fucking around doing their own thing. Yeah, so he, so he's just sitting there as a pentagon with an eyeball strapped into the pilot chair, and then there's, like, two metal snakes in the room flying the ship, and there are three more off on the ship somewhere doing, like, engineering duties and stuff. Yeah, and of course, Lando has to do the, like, hey, you gotta pull yourself together. And of course, Buffy's yeah. like, my dude, that was not funny the first time you said it, nor is it funny the next hundred times. Also, let's just establish this as a baseline now so you don't have to deal with it later. Anytime we tell you a cool, fun bit of dialogue between the two of them, imagine that at the end, Lando got mad that Buffy called him master again, because we're just gonna skip those. Yeah, I don't need to go every single time. He's like, and don't call me master. <laughs> I got tired of the first one of these. I don't need it now. <laughs> so, um, okay. Yeah, he, he gives him the pull yourself together speech and Lando or, or Buffy's already doing that. Snakes of him are coming in from around the building. Two of them attach themselves to the center console bit. Lando slumps into the co-pilot seat, which they describe again as a sort of little surrender arrangement where Lando really wants to be the pilot of this ship. And he's in fact been practicing and learning how to fly the Falcon. Uh, but Buffy's just a way better pilot. Oh yeah. So he is better served doing other things if possible. Yep. So, uh, the two of them have a little discussion as Lando gets all, uh, snuggled into the co-pilot seat and Buffy gets enough arms back on to fly the ship to their destination. Yeah. We get to our next and final chapter where, he is on Dylan Exa 23, and for some reason, he has shown up with his cargo. I don't know why Lando decided after the whole, like, oh, I have a shit ton of the most valuable cargo that has ever been, and I got swindled so hard by taxes and the government in what I should be millions of dollars, but I don't have barely anything anymore, that he was like, oh, man, that was terrible. I guess I should keep being a traitor now. Because <laughs> when he shows up, he's like, I've got a whole bunch of fishing poles and jelly and hides 
from some, you know, random planet that was like, yeah, you know, we're your standard, like, uh, frontiersman planet, so we've got fresh-made local berry jelly and, you know, nice wood poles and whatever. But when he shows up here, he's like, hey, I got all of these. You want these? And they're like, no, we do not. Yeah. We get a full explanation for every single thing, too. He's like, hey, I've got all these uh, Linton Wood fishing poles, the greatest fishing poles in the galaxy. And this little tiny guy that runs the cut, like wizened old man that runs the customs office on Dylan Exit 23 is like, well, now listen here, Sonny. You take a look out that window at the at Yawn Prairie. Do you see any lakes? We ain't got no lakes. They're a waste of land. Yeah, they're just well, like, yeah, we don't. We have terraformed this planet to only have the bare minimum of water on it that we need. Mm-hmm. And all of the fish in there, even if you were to go fishing, taste like shit. <laughs> okay, well, how about this fine Wintonberry jelly? It's the greatest jelly in the history of preserved foods. Oh, my sister done tried some Wintonberry uh, jelly once, and she got the galloping gosherudies. Turns out that we can't eat heavy metals on Dylan Exa 23 because of on yeah, account of all the terraforming. That's the reason that they came here is because it's a planet that doesn't have like a ton of metal on it. So it's very light, but there's a ton of everything else. So it's great for, I guess, agrarian things, but not mining but because there aren't a bunch of trace metals, that's why the fish tastes like garbage. But also, they aren't eating trace metals, and Wittenberry jelly has trace metals, yes. so it's poisonous. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, fine, says Lando. How about my giant pile of extremely valuable hides? And, you know, again, well, now, take a look out at the prairie. What do you think we do with it? We raise all kinds of space cows and whatnot. We ain't need no hides. You ever seen a genuine leather on him before? Well, you have now, stranger. Yeah, they're like, dude, we have we have leather coming out of our ears. You have mm-hmm. no idea. We use leather for everything. We do not need more hides. Right. So then he tells Lando that uh, he's got a message for him, but that it'll cost him a lot of money to get it. And of course, it's going to be a joke. Well, that'll be thirteen fifty for the message, Mr. Calrissian. And he's like, fine, here's 13 credits and 50 half credits or whatever the fuck. And if you haven't got a half credit, then <laughs> God bless you. How about a smile? <laughs> but uh, he's like, well, now I meant 1,350 credits. You see, on our planet, we prefer people not to get messages because we think you ought to be comfortable here at our shitty home. Of course, Lando's just like, all right, well, then fuck you. I won't take it. And he's like, ha ha, it's 2,000 credits if you don't take it. He's like, you are the worst fucking people ever. This just planet fucking lift ass. off of the ship and blow this fucking little uh, custom shop up. What are they going to do? Chase you? They won't leave their own planet. They're hicks. I, I have no idea how this planet has managed to survive when they're like, yeah, we don't do any trading. Nobody leaves. We hate everyone. And we just sit here. And you're like, okay, what? A, <laughs> what? Yeah, no, it's, you're, you're, they just, I assume they just sell low trace metal meat and probably yeah. grain. And that's all they do. So the only other ships that show up here are those drone ships that, that were doing that job, that work at the beginning of the Lando Calrissian, or the, uh, the Han Solo books. Yeah, just a bunch of big drone ships that are like, all right, we suck up a bunch of grain and then fuck off. Yeah, and then we just shoot but, credits back down on your dumbass planet where no one's stupid enough to land. It's planet nothing but trouble. 110% import tax on leather. Ugh. Dumb as fuck. Fuck you. So... After this kind of long routine of comedy where we establish that, yeah, uh, they aren't going to buy anything from Lando, it turns out they will buy one thing. You see, they're an agrarian planet, and so they are desperate to get their hands on the contents of Lando's shitter. Yeah, they're like, well, anything from your crapper is going to be great because we want some fertilizer. So Lando's just like, oh, you'll pay top dollar for that? All right, I'm going to take all of my jelly and leather and just grind that shit up in in the uh, waste disposal unit and then sell it to you that way. 
Yep. I mean, ultimately, that's going to be pretty hard to hide, given that otherwise the the uh, Falcons refresher tanks contain only the poops of a single handsome man. <laughs> yeah, I guess he'll just be like, oh, the reason I have so much is I haven't dumped my shitter in so long. <laughs> also, oh, how- don't mind the fact that it smells like jelly and leather. <laughs> Can't help but notice there's a lot of chopped up leather in your poops. Well, <laughs> I'm into some weird shit. I've been eating leatherberry sandwiches for the last month, so you'll have to excuse me. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a fun joke where he's like, all right, come on, Buffy Raw, you got to come help me in the cargo hold. We need to chop up a thousand tons of hides. Uh, so, uh, so and then once they get clear of the planet, he's still I'm, personally, I'm, I'm, a, I'm like, dude, you have luxury goods. I know. That it's real sad that you it costs fuel to get here, but there's no way that your your Wintonberry jelly, the ultra luxury good, is worth more as poop than it is as Wintonberry jelly when you just fly to some other system. Yeah, just keep and your hold full. It's, it's weird because <laughs> during the beginning of it, when he was going through the fucking nebulosity, he was like, "Oh, and you know, this will make sure that the goods are fresher for delivery. And I'm like, okay, maybe for the jelly I get it, but you have, like, leather and fishing poles. What the the fuck does getting there faster do for you? That is very true. Yeah, it's got a real problem where uh, it, it doesn't make any... He, he's And it doesn't even make sense for jelly. Jelly's a preserve. The whole point of it is that it lasts a long time. Yeah, the fact that he was like, <laughs> I'm going to shave three days off my travel time. I'm like... Why? Who cares? <laughs> you shouldn't also, even take that research. shit yourself. Yeah. Find a do planet a that wants this. Yeah. And then don't go yourself. Ship that shit there. <laughs> That's how come so you're dumb. rapidly transitioning from a rich person to a poor person. It's because you're being dumb. Yeah. Lando, you're a big dumb idiot that does not want to do work, but insists on doing it poorly. He didn't even need to do work. He was a millionaire at the before this book got started. What he should have done is invest in the shipping industry and not try to become it. No, he, he should have been, like, have fine, been a millionaire I'm, if it weren't for all the taxes. Right. All he needed to do was like, I'm just going to buy a bunch of ships and hire crew and have them do this. And I'll just sit there raking in money from them doing this. I, I made enough money off the Life Orchard that I don't need to be a worker anymore. I can be a boss. No. No, but I he guess didn't not. make any money off of the orchard crystals because taxes exist and they fucked him over. And again, I got to say, the I'm dumbest surprised thing in paid- this is that he sees that and then goes, oh, I should be in the business of getting fucked over. Yeah. If anything, he made a fucking mistake in trying to legitimately sell the uh, life crystals so that they could be heavily taxed as an import good. They are an ultra rare thing wanted primarily by creepy evil people. Sell that shit on the black market, you moron. Oh, for sure. I was like, you know, he even brings up like, yeah, you know, people know now that the uh, supply of these crystals is no longer going to be happening because, you know, the natives from all these planets are now in charge and they're not making these anymore. So... People know that the goods he has are like, this is a limited time thing. Like, you can only ever get just what I have. Also, they are the only thing in the world that can extend your life and make you smarter. You should just be, like, very, you know, piecemeal going like, hey, are you ridiculously wealthy? Would you like to give me so much money for some of these? Of course you would. Here you go. (laughs) Yeah, that was I'm just amazed he didn't do that. This guy is going far too legit for Lando. Yeah, the fact that he decided like, oh, I'll I just want my money in a lump sum. So I'm going to try and sell all of them at once. You're like, oh, you fucked up. You see, Buffy, it's my money and I need it now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so anyway, when they're out in space over Dylan X, the 13 plotting the next move, their ship kind of blows up a little bit. Yeah, there's a an explosion that rocks the ship and sends it spinning such that mm-hmm. Lando's all fucked up from the new weird gravity that's happening from that. Uh, 
And when he does finally manage to get to the cockpit and help stabilize things, Buffy's like, yeah, something blew up. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, but basically, they they, uh, they t- spend a lot of time stabilizing the ship, which is wildly spinning out of control and dangerously. Uh, and then when they finally manage to stabilize it, Buffy's like, look, I can tell an explosion happened outside the ship. I'm just going to go out there and look. And Lando's like, no, no, I'm going to suit up and go look. I need to do useful things, Buffy. My... My yeah. old Mechanotron. One person needs to stay up here in order to fly the ship, and one person needs to go see what was going on and fix things. And obviously, I should be the one to go put on a pressure suit and check things out. And Buffy's like, hey, not only is that stupid, because obviously, you know, me being immune to the pressures of space should be the one to go do this, but also... Aren't you fucking lazy? Shouldn't you want to sit up here? That's your whole fucking character trait. Lando basically feels like he's chafing a bit under the fact that the droid can literally do... Like, Buffy Ra has effectively rendered Lando inessential on his own ship. Like, he'll do whatever Lando tells him to do, but mostly, like, Lando's like, I'll suit up and go outside. Buffy's like, okay, number one... I'm better than you at fixing ships. Number two, I'm immune to explosive decompression. Number three, I can go out and fix the ship and leave one part of me in here so that I can still fly the ship. You could pretty much just go back to bed under the table, the gaming table in the hallway. <laughs> you have become yeah. incidental, Lando. <laughs> I mean, the fact that he's like, also, my dude, how's your engineering degree going? And he's like, God damn it, fine, fuck it. <laughs> He can, like, literally tell, even though he's just looking at a big, unmoving eye in the middle of a giant pentagon, that Buffy's rolling his eyes at him for trying to do things. He's like, come on, man. Like, just even from a friendly standpoint, if something goes wrong, you are dead. And I, if something goes wrong out there, I can just sort of clamp onto the ship and walk back in. So, yeah, you know, chill. <laughs> Just relax. And finally, ultimately, the reason we're going into so much detail is that's like one of the two things that happens in this chapter is just this little Lando having a fit about how he's not useful anymore. (laughs) So so basically, Buffy's like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to go take care of this and just disappears out the hallway. But before he goes, he's like, hey, if you really want to feel useful, fine. Hey, look at that that, uh, monitor over there. I've rigged it so you can see what I see there. Okay. Eh? Now, now you can feel like, I don't know, you're directing me to fix things or something. I don't know. Whatever. whatever. Knock yourself I'm out, just... buddy. <laughs> and he heads off to just fix the goddamn ship. Meanwhile, Lando, who's just sort of idly watching and realizing that Lando, that Buffy sees in a lot more color bands than Lando does, which is why the, the image looks weird, because it's translating like infrared and ultraviolet and stuff. Oh, yeah. Gets... And also, he is sitting there in a full fucking pressure suit because he's like... Well, just in case something else explodes and the whole ship gets depressurized, I guess I'll just hang out in the cockpit in a spacesuit. Yeah, so he yeah, that's right. He was like, "Oh, I'll still wear a spacesuit because explosive yeah. decompression sounds terrible." Hmm. I don't like it. <laughs> uh and then he <laughs> there's a point where Buffy's out there and he's bored so he considers lighting up a cigar. <laughs> and they ask me, "Oh, right, spacesuit." <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I would have to <laughs> open up the helmet on this thing and expose myself to possible decompression. <laughs> then he gets a, a, a coded transmission. A gay-coded coded transmission. <laughs> it's especially good at expectorating. <laughs> I, uh, he, he gets a message from a guy named Administrator Lobdoluff. Uh, I don't think we get a full description. Do we even see Lobdoluff? I don't remember. I think it might just be a voice transmission. Uh, it, it's, I also don't think that happens here. I think that happened before. Oh, well, whatever. It's the thing we haven't mentioned yet. And it's kind of the last it's thing that true. happens. So we might as well go into it. I mean, we can talk about what happens with the explosion first. It turns out that someone I mean, walked up right up to the ship on Dylan Exa 23 and wedged a bomb into their landing gear. Yeah, it's the last thing that happens in this chapter is actually them just being like, oh, yeah, someone put a bomb on the ship and rigged it so that it wouldn't go off until we tried to go to light speed. And then when we tried to do that, like the energy from that sets the bomb off. So that's why when we tried to leave this system, if it, it exploded. Yep. 
So we established that uh, it's whoever's trying to kill him can just show up anywhere, can show up on an almost completely empty agrarian farm planet and just sort of casually walk up and bomb his ship. Well, I mean, at this point, because it's a flashback, this is the first bomb. He's just like, oh, some asshole on that planet tried to murder me for some reason, which is, I assume, right. what they normally do to every traitor because they hate things. <laughs> yep, it's because they just suck. So um, that planet sucks ass and I'm glad we're not there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then he gets this coded message from Lobdoluff. And Lobdoluff is like, hey, Lando, we've heard of your fantastic reputation. We'd like to meet you on a, a, a really cool asteroid. My 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 uh, my benefactor is obviously extraordinarily wealthy. And we've heard that you're one of the greatest players of Sabacc in the known galaxy. And we'd like to invite you to come along and play Sabacc with us. Hmm. Yeah, we we want the uh, the pleasure of playing with an actual rapscallion. Ooh, the danger. <laughs> I gotta wonder. Uh, it seems like a lot of Lando stories invite him to or start with someone inviting him to come play Sabacc because they've heard he's really good at it. And I, I'm like, who are these people? They're like, oh, let's invite the world's most notorious card shark. That sounds like fun. Yeah, if you're like one of the rich people, I understand being like, ooh, let's invite Lando Calrissian. I heard he's a scoundrel. That's gonna be so titillating. But mm -hmm. on the other hand. You're right, where it's like, oh, if I'm setting up, like, a night of playing pool with the boys, I'm not going to be like, let's get fucking <laughs> the fats down from the local pool hall who will fucking run the table for us. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like fun on our fun pool night to get rolled over and over again. Yeah, but basically it's like, hey, come do what you like, actually like doing, Lando. You know, gambling. Please come take money from my extraordinarily wealthy benefactor. Uh, P.S. This isn't a trap. P.S. Come alone, not a trap. <laughs> so. Bring only yourself, no traps. <laughs> B.Y.O.T. Bring your own traps. I mean, don't. Don't bring your own traps. Traps will you be provided. I mean, nope, they sure won't. <laughs> no traps. Oh. <laughs> no traps, only ambushes. I mean, no ambushes. Just Sabak, wonderful, lovely Sabak, <laughs> and that—I mean—that might as well be where we end. We kind of went out of order there, but uh, that's basically what happens. He gets invited to a, a, a cool planet where I'm sure interesting shit is definitely going to happen. We also do yeah. get a description of the I'm flame wind of what that is. Oh, that's true. We do. We figure out just immediately that the flame wind is just a cool color display that happens when Ozeon sends out, like, a bunch of fucking particles and it sparks light across the asteroids or whatever the fuck. So basically every, the, the entire uh, solar system fills up with, like, bright red fiery light, plus a whole bunch of other colors, uh, just for a couple of days once a year. So it's basically just a big old holiday there. It becomes a massive tourist thing for the richest tourists in the galaxy. And wouldn't you know it, it happens to be that when he is invited, the, the uh, scheduled time of invitation for him to go visit whoever this rich uh, benefactor of Lobdaluff is coincides with the first day of the flame wind. Yeah, he's like, oh, you know, we're going to be able to go play Sabacc. And even if things don't go well, at least we'll be able to see the flame wind. Yeah. Now, my guess is that the flame wind is they didn't mention it here, but I'm pretty sure the flame wind's going to be one of those things where you can't fly or communicate during it. Oh, of course. Thus being able to set up a, 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 a bottle episode. Ah, we're stuck on this asteroid for the next three days during the <laughs> flame wind. Now to solve a mystery of a murder most foul. Someone on this asteroid committed a murder. <laughs> so there you go. Or at That's... least a bombing. <laughs> a lot of bombings. Maybe they just hate the Falcon. Yeah. Well, I mean... The fact that this starts in the present and then the next two chapters are two different flashbacks yeah. has made, you know, the timeline for this opening a little weird. That is true. Well, uh, so that's pretty much what we're going to wrap up for this, these uh, uh, set of chapters. Uh, I think we'll probably stick to a three-chapter reading cycle going forward in case you want to stay uh, along with us. Otherwise, that has been 
uh, our episode on uh, Flame Winds of Ozeon for now. So thank you so much for sticking around. As always, why not go check out even more cool Star Wars content? It's widely available everywhere in the world. Everyone loves Star Wars. You can just buy it. There's so many people doing so much Star Wars content. Go check them out Mm -hmm. instead of us. Just go check them all out. Don't give us any money. What are you, crazy? We, We just waste it immediately on trips to Las Vegas. We'll t- we'll just waste it on trying to become businessmen. A sucker's bet when you're dealing with this economy. <laughs> so true. Uh, so just go to patreon.com slash system mastery. If you support us at the $2 level, you'll unlock our expanded expounded universe where we go to Wikipedia, find stories from Star Wars history, great and small, and tell them to each other and to you. It's always a good time. It's a really fun episode for us to do. And people consistently tell me it's one of their favorite episodes that we do in general. Yeah. So make sure you head on over to patreon.com slash system mastery. Join up, follow along with that. It, you know, at that level, you also get all of our bonus content for System Mastery, all the bonus characters we make, and you can bump that up to five, and you can also get our TV Mastery stuff, and you can get the monthly afterthought. It's great. Yeah, it's a good deal. It's a worthwhile deal for you, so why don't you consider it today and come join us? And otherwise, hey, we'll be we'll see you in again in another week with yet more exciting expanded or sorry, expounded universe content. I hope you all have a good one. And until then, I've been Elan Sleeves Bagano. And I hate taxes. (laughs) 